0: Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. We are back in our series on James this morning, and in this message, we explore the connection between our faith and our deeds, works, or actions, as James once again gives a challenging word to the church. All right, so this is uh, the sixth message in our series. And if you've missed any of the messages in our series, you can find them on the Fam Church app in the podcast section, or else uh, they are on iTunes and your various uh, uh, podcast listening uh platforms such as I use Overcast, um, and uh, you can download it there if you'd like to listen to any of the previous ones. If you heard that and you don't understand what I was saying and you was wishing I was speaking English, but you want to listen to the messages, bring your phone up here after service and I'll get you hooked up so that you can listen to all of the messages, okay? So here we go. How many of you in this room are people who say, I'll believe it when I see it? How many utter that phrase in their life on a regular basis? Not too many of you. You guys just believe everything, huh? We only have a few people here that say, I'll believe it when I see it. Like your child says to you, Mom, Dad, I'm going to clean my room. Do you say, thank you, Jesus, or do you say, I'll believe it when I see it? In our house, it's, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay? Um, How many of you, you've been watching ESPN and they're telling you your favorite sports team is now the favorite to win the championship, even though they've never won anything ever before in their history? Are you all excited about that? Are you saying to yourself, I'll believe it when I see it? Maybe women. Your husbands are saying, you know what, I'm spending too much time watching, said ESPN, and I'm going to spend more time with you. Do you say, okay, honey, or do you say, I'll believe it when I see it. You guys aren't into this today. What's going on? I was expecting to hear, I'll believe it when I see it, said back to me. You guys are all asleep out there. That's all right, Millie. I'm just glad you can confess that. But on top of that, not only do we have this believe it when I see it mentality, but we've got this phrase that's going around today dealing with the sources of information that we get via the news. Does anybody know what phrase I'm talking about? Fake news, right? CNN says Fox is fake news. Fox says CNN is fake news. Trump says everything is fake news, okay? It's just everything is fake, and Facebook will even put disclaimers on, uh, on ads or articles that people post that will say this could potentially be fake news and they might even remove the post at all and so this issue with so much stuff being fake and believe it when we see it is creating issues for something in this world if you're at the pan Craig breakfast you heard this part of my message yesterday um, but uh... it's putting a strain on companies who do online dating service why is that the case well Think about somebody that you want to date. Why is it that you want to date them? It's because you think they're hot, right? Okay, there ain't nobody in this room that's going to say, oh, I just really like their personality and who they are on the inside. No, come on. Okay, it's all we looked at the person and we initially said, man, they're hot. I want to go out with them. Well, here is the problem that this is creating for online dating uh, companies. See, we've got all of these things on our phones now when we take pictures, because everybody takes their pictures for the most part on their phones. And we've got things called Photoshop for our phones. We've got Instagram filters for our phones. And we've got other sorts of filters for pictures. And so the majority of the time, a picture that has been posted on social media or some other platform is doctored in some way, shape, or form. They put 15 filters on it. Okay, they use some tools to kind of cut out some chunks here and put some chunks there and and make it seem like they're a little bit different than they are. And what they're finding is that more and more online dating services are reporting that people are showing up for dates and the person didn't even look like the picture that was posted on the profile because they photoshopped and uh, filtered it so much That they were unrecognizable. And so, a tip for anyone using online dating services be sure to ask for an unfiltered, unedited picture of the person before you go on any date. Because you may have a surprise waiting for you when you actually get there. All right. Anyways, Chris, take that to note, okay? Write that one down, buddy. All right. And there was one incident that took all of this to the next level. I don't know if some of you heard about this. It made various news sources uh, uh, around the country, but uh, there was this Chinese millionaire, and he was this very good-looking man. And uh, he found this very attractive woman, and he fell in love with her, and they ended up getting married, and they started to have kids. Well, after they had had three children, this attractive millionaire looked at himself in the mirror and looked at his attractive wife, and he said, what happened to my kids? Okay, these are in the words of the millionaire, okay? These are not my words, but he said his kids were just plain ugly, okay? And so at first he thought his wife was having an affair with an extremely unattractive man. But he started to press the issue, and so he really started to, you know, just really push her and push her to find out what was going on. And what he found out happened was this. His wife, when she was younger, had plastic surgery and had her face completely reconstructed. She didn't even look like, anything like, who she was at that point in time. Of course, he divorced her, and he sued her for fraud. Okay, that didn't happen in America, though. It sounds like something that happened here, and it doesn't. So you're saying to yourself, what on earth does all of this have to do with the book of James? Well, in the section that we are going to be looking at this morning, James is talking about the difference between real and fake faith. See, he is letting his readers know how they can identify if they have a real faith in Jesus or if their faith is actually fake news, if their face has been Instagram filtered, if their faith, faith has had plastic surgery and it doesn't really look the way it should. And so this morning we're going to be looking at James chapter 2 verses 14 through 26 Uh, If you're familiar with where the book of James is at and would like to turn there, uh, we're going to read it in a minute. If you don't know where it's at, it'll be on the screen behind me. If you've been following along, you say to yourself, well, the last time you preached on James, you actually ended at the end of chapter 1, and that's true. The first 13 verses of chapter 2, we actually covered in a previous message because there were two sections in the book of James that dealt with this, and so we dealt with them both at the same time. And so if you want to hear about verses 1 through 13, go back. I think it was the second message in our series. And so here's what it says now in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14 through 26. It says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead." All right, so in this text, we have two words that are important to understanding everything else that's presented here, and those two words are faith, and depending upon the translation of the Bible you have, use says actions, works, or deeds, okay? And the reason that these two words are important here is because of what these words actually mean all throughout the New Testament. All right, if you were to read the New Testament, James's youth of faith and deeds and works or actions seems to run against a writing of a guy named Paul. Okay, Paul was one of the primary writers of the New Testament, and when you read his books, his works, especially the letter that he wrote to the Roman church, you read this and you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, there seems to be a contradiction here. James seems to be saying one thing about faith, And deeds, and Paul seems to be saying something else. This was so problematic in the the early church. Um, I'm talking early church post-Reformation after the Catholic Church was uh, Martin Luther and them guys came along and kind of rebelled against the Catholic Church. um, That Martin Luther, he didn't even want to include the book of James in the Bible. He said we should take the book of James out of the Bible because it directly contradicts what Paul taught in the rest of the New Testament. um, And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at this. Um, What is the point? What is James saying? here? What's the point he's ma- is he making? Is he saying something different than Paul says in the letters that he wrote? And so to understand this, let's define faith. What is faith? Of course, Hebrews 11 1 has a definition for us. It tells us that it is the confidence in what we hoped for and the assurance about what we do not see. So it's about our assurance in confidence in something, even though it may not be visible to us. And so let's do a little demonstration here. It was up here earlier. All right, chair. I've got a chair. So, this is a chair. I hope you all know that. Let's say, let's pretend we live in a world where chairs did not exist, okay? Let's say they did not exist, and for centuries, men and women have been trying to find a way for us to sit down. Okay, it just has not been possible. Every contraption and device that somebody has invented for us to sit on either maimed you brutally or killed you okay and so i come along and i say after centuries of research and trying i have finally discovered a device that will allow you to sit down and not get maimed or killed behold i have the chair and so i say to you monique would you like to come and sit on this chair and try out my contraption see most people yeah that's exactly what the response would be most people would say okay that's your contraption I know multiple people who have been maimed or killed by trying to sit on these contraptions that people have invented, and so I'm not going to sit on that. How about you sit on it first, and then after you have survived sitting on the chair, then I will test it out. I mean, isn't that the response that most of us are going to have? Because it's okay to have faith in something, but if that faith does not lead us to action, if I am not willing to sit down on my own invention before asking somebody else to do it, then I'm really communicating something about my faith. I'm saying I have faith, but not faith enough that leads to any sort of action in my life. And see, for too many of us, we want Jesus, salvation, and heaven without anything else being expected of us. And I think that's why so many believers like to stop with Paul in the book of Romans. We like being spiritually lazy. We like a faith that requires no effort on our part, allows us to keep living our life the way we want to, and lets us go to heaven when we die. There has to be some sort of action that comes with this faith, and if it's not, James tells us we're not really alive, but dead. Ouch. Really? Dead? Yes. James wants us to know that if we say that we have faith in Jesus, it should change something about us. It should change our actions. It should change our deeds. It should change how we do things. Which leads to the next question then, what are these works? What are these works? What are these deeds? What are these actions that they're talking about, that James is talking about? And are they the same ones that Paul is talking about when he talks about faith and deeds in his uh, book, especially in the book of Romans? And some really smart people who study this thinks that this is what's going on here. Paul and James are talking about two different subjects. Paul, when he is talking about faith and works, is talking about our initial salvation, See, initially when we become a follower of Jesus, in that moment, our faith and trust that Jesus can forgive us of our sins is the act of faith that Paul is talking about. Paul says that it's the only thing in that moment that can save us. There's nothing we can do. There's no sacrifice we can offer. There's no song we can sing. There's no action or work that we can accomplish in order to be saved by Jesus. However, James is arguing that if we really did put our faith and trust in Jesus, that belief is going to change us, and we are ultimately going to do things differently. We are going to live differently, speak differently, care differently. Our whole life is going to be marked by a life that wants to live on the mission that Jesus has called us to. It's a life that will want to put into our life the works that show that we really do have faith in who Jesus claims he is. I mean think about this think about your job so you apply for a job it's not costly to go and apply for a job you know to put in your resume for a job you want to go work at McDonald's down the street you can just walk in there and fill out your application and give it to them okay they don't call you in and say okay so in order for you to get this job you need to give me a hundred dollars sell me your firstborn child and do several other sorts of things in order to get this job right Generally, jobs come at a fairly cheap or free price. Now, I realize some jobs, uh, it's not a perfect illustration because some jobs require drug tests that we got to go take or background screens that we got to pay for, some of that sort of thing. But as a general rule, jobs do not cost us something. It doesn't involve any work on our part. However, once we get the job, that all changes, right? Now, all of a sudden, you are expected to work. You are expected to show up on time and give your best effort and do everything possible to advance the mission of that company. And if you don't do those things, it can get you into a whole lot of trouble and even cause you to lose your job. And what James is saying here is he's saying the exact same thing about our faith in Jesus. He's saying, yes, we do not have to do anything initially to receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers But once we do that, once we give our lives to Jesus, if Jesus really does something, does a work in our heart, in our life, it's going to come out in our deeds. How we work and how we want to do things and how we accomplish our life is going to completely change. And if we don't, James says that the news that we are really alive is fake news and our life has been photoshopped and filtered. And when James says the word dead, he is talking about our spiritual state. He is saying that we are spiritually dead and we will not be in Jesus' presence when we die. It's kind of a punch in the face this morning, right? And I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, why would that be the case? I mean, I still believe in Jesus as the only one who can save me. I know I can't do anything to earn my salvation. It's all on him. And James says, well, you know what? There's another group of creatures out there that believe this exact same thing. They're called demons. At least the demons shudder. But this is really hardcore what James says here and goes in the face of what the church has been teaching the last 50 years. James is saying that if you think that all God requires is for me to have faith that he is there and saves me from my sins, congratulations, your faith is on the same level as the demons. This is something else you and Satan have in common. You believe exactly what they believe. Yep, James went there. He compared our faith to the faith of a demon. But on a deeper level, here's what he wants us to understand there. See, the demon knows this and believes this. And so what does it do? It changes that demon's behavior. See, the forces of hell are out there to try and pull us down and drag us away by any way they possibly can. And so the demons know that Jesus saves, Jesus sets free, Jesus delivers, and they are doing everything in their power to come against that and tear people down and keep them from hearing that message or living the way that Jesus wants them to. See, their their belief in who Jesus is determines their actions, but for too many of us, we don't allow our faith to determine our actions. And so in reality... What ends, up, what ends up happening is the demons have more faith in God than a person who says, all I have to do is have faith in God and I are good. And we discussed some of this on Wednesday night, but a good chunk of the American church is kind of living this faith of the demons thing out. We think that because we believe there is one God and that Jesus came and died for our sins, that's all that that's required, required of us. And I hate using this word required because... That's the wrong word. It's more like a picture of when you fall in love with somebody, okay? And, uh, you know, when, when you fall in love with somebody and they ask you to do something, you don't see it as work. You don't see it as a burden. You don't see it as something that's challenging, that's hard. Man, you want me to make you dinner? Come on, man, what's your problem? I got a life to live. Come on. Oh, you want me to clean, come on, man. There was, uh, when I was, when Dana and I were in college, uh, Dana was homeless for a few weeks. She was living under a bridge, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, she, she, uh, she was no longer enrolled at North Central, and she had to find a spot to live because she couldn't stay in the dorms, and so her, their family had this friend uh, that lived in a suburb of Minneapolis called Apple Valley, and um, Um, And they said, okay, you can come stay with us until you find a place to live. Well, she worked for uh, Norwest Bank. It's now Wells Fargo. uh, But it was in downtown Minneapolis at one of their centers down there. And um, Apple Valley was way out in one of the southern suburbs. And uh, so it was a 50-mile drive to where they lived and back. Well, Dana did not want to ride the bus, okay? There was a bus that would take her. I mean, it would take about an hour and a half, two hours to do it, but there was a bus that would get her from Apple Valley to downtown Minneapolis. And so what I did was I said, all right, not a problem. I'll come and I'll pick you up in the morning, drive you into Minneapolis, drop you off at work, and then after you're done with work, drive back, drop you off, and come back home. 50-mile round trip, rush hour traffic twice a day. But this is the point I'm trying to make here, okay? It didn't seem like work to me to do that, okay? It didn't seem like a burden to me to go and do something like that. Why? Because I was in love, right? And when Jesus does something in our life, that's the kind of love that should flow out of us for him, you know, we should have this love and this passion just boiling out of us. And so when Jesus says, hey, I want you to do this, I need you to do this, we don't say to ourselves, freaking God, come on, man. What's your problem? Don't you see how busy my life is? Don't you see how much stuff I've got going on? But instead, we have that same response that we have when we're in love. Now, I will say this. If the same thing were to happen today, I'd probably tell her to ride the bus. But that's, that's a different story. All right. All um, right. You know how it goes after being together for so long, you're just like, whatever. Anyway, maybe y'all aren't like that. I'm sorry. I am. I'm just, I'm not a nice person. All right. So this is what James is saying our faith should cause to happen in our life. Our faith should lead to deeds, actions, and works, but they are not deeds, actions, or works done because we have to do them. Instead, they are done because we just want to do them. There are things that just flow out of us because of our faith in Jesus, who he is, and what he has done for us. See, this is what our faith should do. Our faith should always lead to action flowing out of us, and if it doesn't, we maybe really never had faith to begin with because there was no change on the inside of us. And I believe that's part of the reason we are not seeing God do great works in and through the American church. It's because our faith is kind of fake news. It's plastic surgery, and it's really hiding what we really look like. We're not really looking for the full life that Jesus has. We just want to make sure that we make it to heaven when we die. And that kind of faith is not going to get anyone there. The only faith that will is the faith that has works, that has deeds, that has actions behind it and says, you know what? God really did a work in my life. So what are these actions? What are these things, these deeds, these works that tell the world what Jesus has done in us. I mean, he mentions a couple of things in the text. He mentions somebody coming along who doesn't have food or clothing, and you say to them, be blessed, be well fed, be warm, be clothed, and you send them off. Kind of sounds like somebody comes to you and they're starting. Now, we have to kind of Put a framework around this. In James, in this text, when he's talking, especially in regards to giving stuff to people like f- um, food and clothes. Um, he's really working within the context of the church is what he's talking about. He's just not talking handing out clothes to everyone, handing out food to everyone. Now, that's perfectly fine, but I just, I just want to state that. And, and so if somebody you know, basically what James is saying, comes along, somebody who's a brother or sister comes along and they said, hey, I'm struggling with food, I'm struggling with clothing, I'm struggling to have a place to stay, I don't have the finances, and you say to them, let me pray for you, You pray for them, and then you say, be well fed and keep warm, see you later, and you do nothing? That's a sign that your faith may have some issues on the inside of it. Because if there's somebody that's a brother, that's a sister in Christ that we know, that we have relationship with, and they come along and they say that sort of thing to us, they say, hey, look, I'm struggling. I don't have food. I don't have clothing. I don't have shelter. It's our responsibility if we have the means to do something about it, that we are going to do something about it. That's one of the signs that Jesus gives. Or that James gives in the text that Jesus has done something on the inside of us. And and if we're to fill in the other blanks, because there's so many other things and areas that can be filled in there, I think if we were just to go to Luke uh, 1027, where Jesus is talking to a guy who wants to know what he must do to inherit eternal life, and the man says Jesus says, What does the law say? And he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love others as yourself. And I believe that if we take that principle and we live that in our life, it's going to lead to works in our life that show the faith that we have. Because think about it. Love others as much as you love yourself. How much do we love ourselves? We love ourselves a lot, right? So when somebody else comes along... Are we loving others the way that we love ourselves most of the time? Probably not, are we? We have got to look at others, and we've got to love them as much as we love ourselves. We have to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind, and love others as ourselves. And as we do that, as we love others and we love God... That's going to lead to those things, to those deeds, to those works coming out of our life, being a part of who we are, being a part of our actions and our behaviors. Because like, we're thinking, you know, if we were, we just got to ask ourselves, if we were in that situation, what would we want somebody to do for us? Too many times, we don't ask that question. That's the question we need to ask. And, uh, um, I want you also to think about it when you, that sort of thing, when you're giving somebody stuff. If you're going to go give somebody something and you wouldn't want it yourself, why are you going to give it to somebody else? You know, if you're like, "Dude, I wouldn't wear that shirt," let's just give it to Goodwill, or let's give it to this guy or this woman over here. Why? You wouldn't wear that, but yet you'll give it to somebody else? No, man love your love others as much as you love yourself if you would say that about something practice that when you're giving stuff to people that's one of the th- kind of one of the things i love about the food distribution is that you know we'll get boxes of steaks in here and so we're giving people box or we're giving people steaks in their boxes and i think that's so cool you know it's just so cool because they get steak that's what i want you know All right, and so in closing this whole section of this letter uh, out, um, James includes two people as examples of what he is talking about. He talks about Abraham and Rahab. Two different people. Abraham. Abraham was the... Patriarch of the Jews he is the man who 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 started it all his His information in his life is covered in the book of Genesis in thirteen chapters uh, towards the beginning, and so huge super important dude all right everybody who is a Jew knew who this person was. Everyone who had contact with the Jews knew who Abraham was. He was an incredibly important person and what did he do with his life? It says, it tells a story in there about him offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And, but there was just more than that to his life. As you read Abraham's whole story, you see that from the beginning he's marked with listening to what God is saying and then following it regardless of the cost, regardless of whatever is going to go on. It starts out with him living in Ur of the Chaldean and God speaks to him and says, Abraham, I need you to move halfway around the world to a different place and I'm going to give your ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey. And so Abraham gets up, walks away from his family and his friends and journeys off to the city and that just starts his life of honoring God and listening to God in what he says and in allowing the deeds and allowing the works and allowing the actions of his life to speak into or to speak to others about what God has done on the inside of him. But they also mention, he also mentions this woman, Rahab. Rahab's story is not so familiar. Rahab is found in the book of Joshua, and Rahab was a prostitute. What happened with Rahab is the Jews were coming up and they were invading the land and they were scouting the city of Jericho. The spies went into the city, and, and, uh, and the, the people of Jericho had heard that. Uh, that the Jews were there scouting the land out, and so this prostitute knew that God had given them the city, and so she hid them in her house and then let them down out the walls of the city. Not a very important person in the history of the Jewish nation, really. Not a very important person in an overall sense in the world, either. She was a prostitute. But here's what I think Abraham's point was in mentioning both of these stories. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Abraham, the patriarch of the faith, or a prostitute. You can show the works of faith in and through your life. If God has done something through you, if God has ministered into you, if God has come in and really changed you on the inside, then it should be reflected on the outside, regardless of your background, regardless of your story, regardless of where you have come from. It should be seen on the outside. It should be reflected in your life. So in closing, that's the question we need to ask ourselves. What does our faith look like? If someone was looking in from the outside, if Abraham came forward in time and was dropped down here into 2019, and Abraham started to look at your life, would he say, man, that's genuine, real faith? Or would he call it fake news, photoshopped, filtered, and plastic surgery? Because see, the Christian faith, the message of the gospel is losing traction more and more in this country year after year. And I think one of the few things that can be done to turn this around and get it headed in the right direction is if the men and women of faith have the works, have the deeds, have the actions that show the work that God has done on the inside of them going on in their life on a regular basis. And so we have to be willing to stop and reflect on our faith and say, is my faith, is what I say Jesus did on the inside of me actually leading to works in my life? Am I somebody who loves God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and all my strength, and I love others as much as I love myself? Would Abraham say, that's a person of faith right there, or would Abraham stop and say, hmm, I don't know about that. And our answer to that question will determine our response to the message But I really believe that every single one of us in this room, no matter how good we may think we got this, always has room for improvement and growth. For us, our faith to reflect more and more the work that God has done on the inside. And so let's pray in closing this morning, and we're going to pray that God would move and work in each of our lives so that each and every single day, as we make this journey forward, that people are going to see more and more the works of faith in our life. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church Podcast. Fam Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.